Is it creepy? Is it? It's Richard Burton. It's Richard Burton. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing it as Richard no Burton. No one would have believed. <laughs> <laughs> I, was meant to, I was meant to see the play about Richard Burton, but it got cancelled. No. Yeah, they cancelled the play. They cancelled the performance. They didn't cancel the play. They cancelled the performance because it was in previews and they said, sorry, we can't do it. You have to rebook. Ah, so the Richard Burton, John Gilgood play yeah. about the... Okay, right. It's All been right. delayed. But you're going to see it. But yeah. You, you will see it. Yeah, okay. I will definitely see it. Oh, it's a real shame, because I wanted to ask you what that was about, because I'm actually... Well, I'm going to try and get a ticket for it. Who knows? Should we intro? Uh, do we leave this in? I don't know. Oh, it's just stated, definitely. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, how do I... No, I'm just going to do a normal voice. Okay, Just I'm do a normal voice. Hello, and welcome to the Movie Robcast. I'm your host, Rob Wallace, and as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my learned co-host, Mr. Rob Daniel. And it is evilly good to be here. <laughs> I like how somebody just slammed the door off, yeah. like, immediately afterwards, just like... Oh, now, that was the sound of quite a few people hitting unsubscribe. <laughs> Thinking, no, I gave you a go, guys, and no, no, no. I'm only here because you posted that quite cool shot from Dungeons & Dragons on Twitter, and you've pissed your chips already. So, uh, no, goodbye. Shall we continue for the two people remaining? Yeah, for the... It, Who will be us when we listen to this back? The, uh, today we're going to be talking about Evil Dead Rise. We are. Now, I've got a question about whether or not it should be, and this is a, a singular plural thing, Evil Dead Rises, because obviously if it's Evil Dead Rise, it's Evil Dead as a plural, as yeah. in like, but Evil Dead Rises, because technically it's a single entity. Well, uh, I'm not sure that's ever been proven that it is a single entity. I think But they talk about it being a single entity, and as like a singular... Well, they talk about being an evil force that's been released... But I always got the impression that the things that were taking over and possessing the boys... Were individuals. Were individuals, yeah. Yes, we're all individuals. We're all demonic individuals. Even though when we turn demonic, we do look very, very similar. I did think, it is Evil Dead Rise, right? Because it just seems as if it should be Rises. Just for ease of saying it. But I actually quite like the fact that it's like, no, it's Evil Dead Rise. 
we want the title itself to be quite uncomfortable to say. Uh, when, and, yeah, and, and they are, and it's you know, composed entirely of four-letter words. Yeah, which is... I guess. Well, it suits my OCD. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Although, if, yeah, if it had one more letter, it would be 13 letters, which, of course, is a much more... It's a creepier number than 12. Well, did you notice what floor they live on in this film? Is it the 13th floor? It is the 13th floor. Yes, Evil Dead Rise does work, but Evil Dead Rise is, is an easier title. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to Evil Dead Rise? Are there any other films you've seen that you think uh, would I watched, be good to mention? Um, yes, in, in what might be a slight case of Tonal Whiplash, uh, Danny Kaye's The Court Jester. Which I saw many, many years ago now, like 2007 time, I think, when it came on to Sky Cinema when Sky Cinema was just a single classic movie channel within Sky Movies. Oh, a different time. <laughs> anyway, I remember really, really enjoying it. I don't remember much about the plot. I remember that Glynis Johns is in it from Mary yes. Poppins. So what brought you to watch The Court Jester? What's it about? And what do you think of it? The Court Jester is about... essentially like a troubadour played by Danny Kaye, who's involved in... The Resist- essentially one of Robin Hood's merry men against this tyrannical king who seized the throne from the rightful ruler. And he essentially ends up, yeah, ends up becoming part of the part of the castle staff, and gets caught up in like assassination plots and being hypnotized into wooing the princess. It's like a classic adventure movie that is also just a setup for loads of really good gags that are still funny. That are still funny. Yeah, I mean, in every kind of people are vaguely aware of, and I can't do it off the top of my head. You know, the the it's in the poison with the pestle is the brew that is true. You know that 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 kind of rhyme that he has to memorize because one of the cups is poisoned, one of the cups isn't poisoned, but the rhyme keeps on getting increasingly elaborate. <laughs> Which, if I can find it, I'm going to put at the end of this. Because actually, tonally, that does kind of fit with Evil Dead and yeah, medieval malfeasance and stuff yeah. like that. But uh... but there's also there's some great scenes, like he gets hypnotised to be like this, this great lover and fighter. But every time he, somebody clicks their fingers, he, he goes out of it. And he's like, he's duelling with Basil Rathbone, and he's easily parrying him. And all of a sudden, somebody clicks their fingers, and all of a sudden, he's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. It's really fun. Way better than you think it has any right to be. Like, this is... It's not as kind of wild as like a Mel Brooks film. But but it was made during, was it? It was 55. And for anyone worrying that it might be in black and white, it is in glorious technicolour. It looks amazing, doesn't it? I mean, it looks so gorgeous. Cool. And largely unproblematic, I think. I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to think. Of, there are little people in it. It's Time Bandits has little people in it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> I also watched uh, To Be or Not To Be. Ah, well, actually, before we move on, it's good because I, I think, yeah, I think it's I. Evil it. Dead Rise. They're talking about Ernst Lubitsch. Uh, I watched The Court Jester in 2007, and yeah, I remember thinking this is really, really funny. It's good that it's still funny because 2007, unfortunately, is quite a long time ago now. And we watched last year Duck Soup, which is the Marx Brothers film, which is seen as one of the great comedies of all time. And that is a film that isn't as funny as maybe it was when it first came out. It's It has some good stuff in there, but even at an hour and ten, it's stretched. And also, there's no music in it, because they just left space for laughter, which makes the film oddly paced. Yeah, it's like Really, really badly paced and really quiet. Like, the whole thing just seems too quiet for a comedy now. Absolutely fascinating film to watch, not one that you're going to laugh at very much. But yes, yeah, revisiting, um, so yeah, To Be or Not To Be, which is magnificent. That's the World War Two one, right? Yeah, it came out the same year as Casablanca. Yeah, dude. And uh, it's another one that's, like, essentially about combating the Nazis. In a way that, like, it, wow, if we had lost the war, that would have... Because it is, it's really hopeful, and it deals with... I mean, it's set in bombed Warsaw, occupied Warsaw, and it's about this theatre troupe, and it's, oh, it was the last film that... Oh, God, what's her name? 
Carol Lombard. Carol Lombard did because she, well, she, I think she died before the release, oh, or she? like, oh yeah, very much around the time because she was killed in a plane crash. She was, and it's and, and watching her in that, it's like you are magnificent. Like <laughs> you are. She's one of the great lost stars of cinema, basically. Carol Lombard was incredibly beautiful, but really, really funny, and she could use the two of those so well. She's in a Howard Hawks film called 20th Century, which is also on a train, which is very good. But to be or not to be, I think is her best. She was married to Clark, Clark Gable. Clark Gable, that's right. The story of what happened around her death, I've got time to go into it here, but it's well worth reading about. And it's probably all on Wikipedia. It's very, very sad. They think they do an episode on it on the Secret History of Hollywood podcast. Yes, you're right. They all say there was a thing, I mean, this is just so long ago now, but there was a thing in the late 90s called The Great Hollywood Romances. Just one of those things that would be on BBC Two in the morning. And the one on Gable and Lombard was really, really good. Because she was like a real urbanite. And he was a real outdoorsman. And she loved him so much that she basically changed it. All right, let's go camping. And we were talking off mic about how much we hate camping because it's so horrible. I, tr- I tried it again recently and it, yeah. It's just wet it's, and horrible. And it's, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try this because you know what? It's it, pe- People do enjoy this and I should, I should give it a go. And it's, why is it wet inside? <laughs> In the words of Job, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> but the Clark Gable, Carol Lombard episode is very, very good. But yeah, you should read about it because she was great. So it's been a lot to be. Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, and, and the fact she's a perfect fit for Ernst Lubitsch because everyone's you know the, the the famed legendary Ernst, the Lubitsch touch, where you, he can deal with quite serious themes in a comedic manner that that feels so tonally balanced and has such a lightness to it without ever you doing a disservice to the material. Absolutely, it never it can be funny about something serious without being dismissive of just how serious. Yeah, it and, is. And, and here you've got Nazism, and and the film was released in 1942. So, in the heart of absolute horror. There's even, like, a joke in there about concentration camps. Isn't yes, they, they, call you, they, they call you concentration camp... Um, one of the generals has a, has a nickname. And is it something like, they do the camping, we do the, the concentrating. concentrating. Something like that, yeah. Which at the time, of course, was like... Because I, mean, I, I saw that at university when we were doing the cinema and comedy course. And that got like a, ooh, and this is going back to the 90s. And it's like, well... He's making a joke about it then. It was going on at that point. Although, no, they hadn't uncovered the full horror of it. That's so. the thing, is that it's like, yeah, because the concentration camps was the penal system in Nazi Germany. So I don't think they quite... They knew something terrible was going on, but I don't think they quite realised just how terrible. It's like, well, that is a good gag. And it's not kicking down, it's kicking... The Nazis. So I'm kind of all right with that gang, to be honest, because at the time, of course, again, in Hollywood, I mean, they had entered the war by that point, but there'd been a long period in Hollywood and in Britain during the 30s of not upsetting the Nazis, Nazis because of the German film market. I think there's, and uh, people listening to this again are going, Evil Dead Rises, guys. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> I, think we should, I think we should do an episode on, actually, that'd be a fascinating episode to do on films about the Nazis before and during the advent of World War II. I think that would be because, a series. That would be like a like, yeah, because like, you know, obviously we've already talked about to be or not to. We've talked about Casablanca, and there are certainly others. But that's a good idea, though, because you'll have to do some research on that one. But it is absolutely fascinating to see how films were dealing with that at the time, because everyone knew that there was going to be some terrible shit happening. I do now want to watch um, Mel Brooks's To Be or Not to Be. Yes, I was going to say. Did you know that Mel Brooks did a remake? Yeah, yeah, yeah um, did, which I haven't seen. Anne Bancroft though plays the Carol Lombard yeah, but, character, so it seems well so, cast. And it had got decent reviews. It didn't get given that it's a remake of a classic. Yeah, it didn't get slated. 
Um, so yeah, actually, we should watch that. Too. Yeah, I think dude, that's quite a good one to watch together. Yeah, and actually, you've now inspired me to give the original a look again because uh, I haven't, God, I haven't seen it in decades. But I remember it being ace. So yes, I watched the remake of Evil Dead last week ahead of watching Evil Dead Rise. I hadn't seen it since 2013 when it got released. I remember that film being good, much better than I thought it would be. But good, yeah, but I never felt the urge to go back to it until now, because I thought, well, I should watch it again before the sequel comes out, although it's not really a sequel. And it's actually much better than I remembered it being. I remember it being good, but I actually think it's pretty great. It bumped up from three stars to four stars on this viewing. There's a lot of things about it that I think weren't done as well in Evil Dead Rise that we'll get onto. It is a complete blast. It's, I think it's the wettest horror film ever made. And Evil Dead Rise gives it a run for its money. Yeah. But Evil Dead, it, it is so wet. <laughs> It's every. I mean, even though a lot of the fluids um, are not necessarily blood, and are repeated in this film as well, it's just a wetter movie. It's like this is a wet movie. But what uh, this one slightly lacks, although there is a lot of wet in this film as well, even though this one isn't quite as wet as the remake, this is one of the loudest horror movies I've seen for a while. I mean, this one yeah makes up for it in volume. Heavens, this was a loud movie. Well, shall I give the plot synopsis? And then we can dive into it. Yep. Kandar Estrada. No, 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 stop it. Stop it. it. Drop your eyes again. <laughs> I do like how this film kind of gets around the fact that it's like. <laughs> Who has awakened my ancient slumber? <laughs> That's from the original <laughs> Evil Dead, Dead back in 82, the Sam Raimi one. <laughs> Surprisingly accurate. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I, I did miss the Oldsmobile from this one. I did miss this because this is the first one without it. Um, Sam Raimi's car. Actually, Sam Raimi's car is probably in the garage. It's probably in the garage. Must be, yeah. Well, let's get on to that. Sorry, let's um, um, let's put some structure around this. Let so, me just read out the thing first. That was just yeah, hilarious, obviously. Although Rob is now crawling around the ceiling and uh, spewing quite horrible stuff onto my head. Um, it's a normal podcast. It's a normal, normal podcast. podcast. Yes, right. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> A twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. That's pretty good, actually, yeah. So in this one, we have Lily Sullivan, and she plays Beth, who is a guitar technician for touring rock bands, Although her sister... Just dismisses her as a groupie. As a groupie. And her sister's played by Alyssa Sutherland, who is Ellie. And Ellie is separated from her husband. Uh, So there's some family discord there. She has three kids. So we have Bridget, played by Gabrielle Eccles. And we have Danny, played by Morgan Davis. And the youngest is Cassie, played by Nell Fisher. And this is Nell Fisher's first film. And heavens, what an introduction to filmmaking this must have been. I mean, we'll get on to just how great she is. So Beth has something happen. She needs to go to Ellie for advice. But as the plot synopsis suggests, they get interrupted when an earthquake occurs and reveals the Book of the Dead, the Necronomicon, that every single Evil Dead fan will know. And one of the kids rather sillily plays... Um, a record this time, isn't it? It's like a vinyl record because in the original it was a tape-to-tape. Um, sorry, it was a reel-to-reel tape recorder. And I, and I do like the fact that because one thing that I still, I still, it still works in the 2013 film when he starts reading it aloud. It's like you just fucking wouldn't. You just, you just <laughs> would not read that book aloud. You'd read and say like, not fucking saying that. 
This is a book bound in human fucking skin. I'm not like... <laughs> that has teeth this it's, time. It's got teeth. It's written in blood. <laughs> but he plays it, doesn't he? So he, yeah, and it's, he's playing the vinyl. It's a conversation. So I thought that's quite good because that is always a thing. It's like, just stop playing it <laughs> or don't say it. I thought that was quite good that he's kind of listening to it as part of a conversation that's been recorded from um, a couple of experts in parapsychology or something. That releases The Evil Dead, and mayhem ensues. Anyone familiar with the remake of Evil Dead will know the kind of horror that they're in store for. There are lots and lots of Easter eggs and throwbacks to the original films, because of course, The Evil Dead was Sam Raimi's calling card. An amazing film. That is a classic horror film that was made for no money, was the subject of an obscenity prosecution in this country and was banned on video for five years, then was heavily cut when it was released in 1990 again. But of course, went on Evil Dead 2, Spawned Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, The Medieval Dead, Ash vs. Evil Dead, and lots of video games I think were made on it. There's comics. I mean, it's a whole world of Evil Dead. And this continues the tradition. It's all set in one building, and it is... A horror film, I think we can... I think we'll both agree that it's a horror film. But what did you think of Evil Dead Rise? I liked it. I didn't like it as much as Evil Dead. I think... And I liked how they... Because this is the first one to... Well, that was the Army of, the Army of Darkness played with the formula. But this one's like... It opens as a cabin. It does. Which we won't spoil. I think because people expect the cabin in the woods. Because it's so iconic. Also, tacitly against camping as a thing. Don't go and stay in a cabin in the woods. It's one step away from camping. All the Evil Dead films are cautionary tales about getting back to nature. You don't do it. You just don't do it. Nature doesn't want you. It's horrible and wet and you get eaten. By people that you care about. By people that you care about. That's right. Yeah, that's interesting that. Because of course, Ash versus Evil Dead, they do go to the cabin again at one point. But a lot of it is set in towns. And anyone who hasn't seen Ash versus Evil Dead should watch it. It is so good. You can actually watch it without having seen the Evil Dead films. But you should watch those two because they're great. Though Evil Dead 2 is not quite as brilliant as I remember it being. But The Evil Dead, the original. That was a film that Stephen King called the most ferociously original horror film of the year. I'd say this one isn't ferociously original. This is a film that looks to horror cinema a lot yeah. for inspiration. It's churlish to criticise a film in a franchise for being a film in that franchise. But it did feel like, here's more Evil Dead. And it's like, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I've seen objects that I know are going to... Horrible things are going to happen involving them. Yes. We can discuss this in the spoilers, but I'll, I'll say it now. So we can, maybe then we can discuss it maybe in a bit of a spoiler section. Chekhov's wood chipper. Yeah, we'll get into some of the foreshadowing in spoilers, because there's multiple foreshadowings in this, and there were some quite knowing laughs in the audience when it was like, <laughs> I think we're going to see that a bit later. I did think at certain points, I was like, are they are they, are they, are they going to hurt the kids? Because it's like, you know, I know they're being played by young adults, but they are kind of... Well, not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, no Fish is no, definitely... No, no, yeah, it's right. Yeah, it's right. The, there are three kids, two of whom are played by young adults. Yeah. It is also funny when they introduce the various neighbours... Because you're like, oh, it's fine to kill you. You're all fucked. Because it's like... <laughs> you are meat for the grinder in this one. They're living in this dilapidated building. And it get around the fact that nobody should be living in that building. But like, yeah, we're moving out. They're demolishing it. It's also like, is this like weird implied commentary on capitalism? Or is that just because you wanted to set your thing in like a building and have it make sense that they're cut off when the earthquake hits and then be able to explain why there's a bank vault underneath? I feel like that line is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this. I thought that. Because this film is a horror film. It tells a horror story with graphic horror imagery. There's nothing else in this film apart from that. I was looking for a little bit of commentary, maybe in terms of, yes, as you said, this is not really a spoiler. It's, it's a very, very small part of the film. But the building used to be a bank many, many years ago. And there is a vault 
in the basement. And it's going to be knocked down and it's like a... And the people in it are going to be displaced and who knows where they're going to live. If that is a commentary on capitalism, that's as far as the film is really interested in going with it because it doesn't ever really get returned to. It's just a thing. It's not like... It actually reminded me of The People Under the Stairs, which is a Wes Craven film from 1991, which is a social commentary horror film and is absolutely brilliant. It reminded me of the people under the stairs, as in the people that live under my stairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, Rob. <laughs> because you've awoken me from my ancient slumber. Because, of course, Evil Dead, the Evil Dead remake, actually had a very good subplot in it. About addiction and... And that the main character had been taken to the cabin because she was a heroin addict. And her friends said, well, you need to kick this or you're going to die. So therefore, we're going to keep you in this cabin in the woods for three days while you go through the worst withdrawal ever. And a really, really nice touch there was that withdrawal from heroin looks a bit like demonic possession. Mm. And they keep putting her behaviour down until it becomes obvious that it's not withdrawal, down to the fact that she is a monster because she is withdrawing. That, I thought, was a really, really clever touch. This film hasn't got that. There's a couple of things in there, we're not going to spoil it, but there's a couple of things in there with the characters and certain things that are going on in their lives. But again, even that was like... So then you get into the old things of like, because of course I'll always look for sexual politics in a horror film and there's shotguns and chainsaws. The 90s film student in me is always going to go to Barbara Creed and to Carol J. Clover and their writing on horror film from a feminist perspective to say, well, that looks like something else, doesn't it? Particularly when a woman's holding it. I think at this point though, it's like, it's there because chainsaws and shotguns are part of the Evil Dead makeup. Ash uses them. So Ash played by Bruce Campbell. That's what he uses as his weapons. It doesn't go any deeper than that. This is not a deep film. Um, Another point was that sometimes it doesn't seem like an Evil Dead film either. It seems as much like an Exorcist-inspired movie as an Evil Dead-inspired movie sometimes. There are lots and lots of references to things like The Entity in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And The Entity is a very interesting horror film. You would never never make it now. I think it was optioned for a remake because it's a recognised name. Problem is, it's about a woman, it's apparently taken from a true story. It's not a true story. But this woman was being repeatedly raped by a poltergeist, and she was a single mum, and her kids were in the house, and there was this demonic spirit coming in every night and raping her. And this was investigated, and I think there was a book written about it, and the film says this is all true. I don't believe in poltergeist, so I don't think it is true. But you can't make that film now because you have to have a film in which a rape victim is disbelieved by everyone and doubts are thrown on the fact, is she just imagining this? It's an interesting movie and it's amazingly well shot. It kind of gets into special effects for the second hour with Ghostbusters, blue lighting effect and that kind of stuff. At the time would have been the stuff that would have blown everyone away, but now it's the first hour and the camera work in the first hour is amazing. And there's lots of the entity in this film in terms of the canted angles, the split diopter, the really, really big close-ups with shallow focus. It's like, well, you're obviously inspired by the entity, just not the thornier issues of the story in the entity, but in terms of how it looks. That's a good horror film to go to for if you want to have a striking-looking horror film. The Shining's in here. There's numerous nods to The Shining. It's interesting that Wuthering Heights is invoked at the beginning of this film. Yeah, in a way that I liked. Yeah. Because, yeah, Wuthering Heights isn't invoked very... not particularly much in horror despite the fact there are passages in the book that are gothic horror yeah and that's the thing is it's thinking well it's interesting to frame the evil dead as gothic i don't think it is but the whole thing of let me in let me in is very evil dead 
So that it's, one is... But it's also very kind of... Um, it obviously gets evoked in things like um, Salem's Lot as well. The mm. pale figure at the window. Yeah, indeed. A thing that I didn't like about the film is the look of it. Because... Is it Fede Alvarez um, who did the remake? Mm-hmm, I think so. Is it Fede Alvarez? One of the two. Anyway, he made a very, very colourful and good-looking horror film without going kind of full Argento heavy gels. It was a red horror film. It was a very, very rich, colourful horror film. This one is that kind of murky, earthy brown and green mm. look to it. And it's like, oh, this is more like kind of Rob Zombie. Sub- yeah, like being submerged in a mint chocolate chip ice cream. Yeah, indeed, but not in a good way. What a way to go. But this one was like, okay, this is, it's murky. I think you should have been... Visually, just, yeah. But just more imaginative with your colour design. Um, the is, it, there are like nice touches to the production design, like oh, the, yeah. the, the gothic scars, because it's clearly mum's got a bit of a kind of um, goth vibe going on in yeah. terms of the, the skulls that are kind of dotted around the place. And it's like... But you're not using that for anything. And the, and the little girl um, has created this kind of totemic, which was like, like that, oh, this feels a bit like Tideland. That's like a little, that's like a little bit of Tideland in there. Um, a little, a totemic what, sorry? In terms of the um, the doll's head on the spike. Starfany. Starf, Starfany. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, created a weapon, basically. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that the characterization is very thin, but the actors are very good. good and and they really bring the characters to life, I thought. So you actually care when the dead start to run rampant, what's going to happen to them. And um, with um, Morgan Davis, who plays Danny, I was trying to figure, like, it's like, you look vaguely, you're vaguely reminding me of something just in terms of your physical appearance. I, I figured out this morning who I think it is. Go on. It's Jamie Kennedy in Romeo plus Juliet with the blonde. Oh, yeah. So yes, yes, a little bit. Yeah, it's um, because the main woman, Lily Sullivan, you're Eva Green. <laughs> you just remind me so much of Eva Green. <laughs> I suppose that Nell Fisher could have a touch of the Dakota Fanning about it when she was in War of the Worlds at the fridge. I don't... There's a strange knocking coming from Rob's kitchen. Anyone who's seen Evil Dead Rises will go, well, don't go and investigate that, obviously. Oh, yeah, that's one thing. Like, if people were less curious in <laughs> Evil Dead films, well, there would be no Evil Dead films to start with because, oh, I found a clearly cursed book. <laughs> no, no. Um, You know what? I've got some innate curiosity about this. I would like to know more. Just gonna put that back. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't like the way this feels in my hand. Bound with human skin. If they did a version where it's a journal and the and the words have been transcribed into like somebody else's journal, isn't like they've made a copy of the book. Mm. Then I can imagine somebody sitting down and reading that because it looks like a harmless like notepad. And they could do that in a future one because it kind of suggested there will be. I mean, I think this will do well. I don't think it'll be ten years before we get another Evil Dead film. I mean, it is weird because the remake did well in twenty thirteen against its budget, so it's odd that. Well, do you think it ended up in a right situation with Ash versus the Evil Dead, I where they only uh... were going to be making one of those at the time? I didn't read anything like that. That an Evil Dead film is being stopped because we've got this other Evil Dead thing happening. In a way, though, it's good that there wasn't because Ash versus Evil Dead was so brilliant. It continues from the films in absolutely dazzling ways sometimes and it was such a, it was it was a thing that it's like it's weird that this exists but it's good i mean it's great but it's weird that this gets to exist yeah for three seasons it does kind of wrap itself up pretty much after three seasons i think they were hoping for a fourth but were told no it's not going to happen which is a real shame because it, i could have done with one more season but I, the I think bruce are... campbell's now been like it, i think bruce campbell has been interviewed recently around evil dead rise and it's like yeah i'm pretty much done playing ash because it's a physically demanding role in which i guess gets splattered with stuff <laughs> and he is getting on now he however does want to do more burn notice it's like yeah because it's shot in miami and you get yeah, to like absolutely yeah. 
Yeah, he said, I read an interview where Bruce Campbell said that, because of course he and Sam Raimi produced this film, so it is endorsed by the original guys. And it is, it does keep the spirit of the Evil Dead films. Ah, I see what you did there. Mm. And Sam Raimi, who has kept his physique, I think sent a text to Bruce Campbell saying, yeah, I'm kind of watching you in interviews and stuff, and they keep playing clips from the original Evil Dead film. Get back to the gym, you slob. (laughs) (laughs) Because Bruce Campbell, I mean, I think the thing was that he looked like a comic book character come to life. But he was a dashing guy. I mean, he would have been so good in... The Court Jester. He has that look of yeah. like an old Hollywood look about him. Yeah, that he did kind of. He, that I guess was never never really fully exploited. No, feels like a, a shame because yeah, he should have had the, the big superhero role. He should have had the. I mean, if they were doing Superman as a comedy, he would have been a great Clark Kent and Superman. That would have been absolutely. I mean, he's great in. Um, there's a clip I watched a couple of days ago from Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, and can, he also looks. He's perfect. You know, the, the lantern jawed newspaper man. Like he's just got that. He. You know, him in a period film works. Hey, doll, what gives? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing is, it, it, he's in that film for a couple of scenes. And it was always a joy to see him in those sort of films because he would often pop up for a cameo because, of course, the Coen brothers are very, very good friends with him and Sam Raimi. The Coen brothers worked on Evil Dead. And it's like, why don't we see Bruce Campbell in more films where he isn't just in a cameo? Who knows? Maybe he just wasn't chasing those parts with the vehemence that others were. Or maybe it's the fact that, well, he's funny, but he's handsome, but the two just aren't going hand in hand right now for what we want to do with comedy films. But anyway. Yeah, too handsome to be funny, too funny to be handsome. It's well, that's like, the thing. It's, it's, like, it's like, yeah, it's, he'd always just be in these amazing cameos. And uh, and he still does that, of course, because he's in all the Marvel films. Um, he was in the Spider-Man films. He had some cameos in that. And Doctor Strange recently, which was a Sam Raimi film, obviously. And always say it, but just looking at this film just makes me look back with such a a warm kind of nostalgic smile at how The Evil Dead was regarded when it was released. It was seen as, I mean, I think that the title at the time, The Evil Dead, was very, very attention grabbing. But this was prosecuted and Sam Raimi had to come over to testify to say, no, this isn't obscene. And the case was dropped. I mean, it was a case that was brought by the uh, director of public prosecutions, but it was dropped because I think it was a jury actually ruled, no, it's not obscene, it's just a horror film. But it was seen at the time as like the nay plus ultra of horror movies, even though now you go back and watch, and the effects are just Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. I mean, it's stop motion Play-Doh. But there is an edge to the film, there is a nastiness to it that works really well. And it's also one of those things where it was made for no money. They literally went to all the companies in the town and said, do you want to invest in a film? Like Detroit, was it Detroit? It might have been Detroit, I'm not sure. It was it was the woods somewhere that was... Um... I think it was Michigan. Michigan, yes, yes. It's, um... so, yeah, it's And like, yeah, basically, it like, there, yeah. it's like, you know, going, knocking at, knocking on the door of the local dentist convention. So all these people who could say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a movie producer and I also get tax write-off and stuff. But of course, it, it was famous for having the dead cam shot, which is the point of view shot. The, the force shot, yeah. Yeah, which at the time was like, how are you doing that? How are you doing that shot? Because look at how that camera's moving. And this is not a big Hollywood film. And of course, they just attached a camera to a piece of wood and two of them just ran through the woods with it. And it created one of the best-looking horror effects in cinema. It was really nice, the opening of this film, and here's the opening shot, so I'm going to spoil it. You get an amazing dead cam shot that goes over water, but properly goes over water. This goes over an entire lake and then flies up to a character and is revealed to be a drone. And it's like, oh, that's good. And I think that is a commentary on how easy it would be <laughs> to, do to make 
because of how far cheap, affordable filmmaking when, technology is. When I went to um, the that cinema in Amsterdam, the Theatre Tchutinsky, they had like an opening promo thing about the theatre where somebody literally just did incredible drone piloting of her because it is like like a, like a big like balustraded balcony theater with like multiple levels and somebody basically just flew a drone in through the front door and around the whole theater like looping in looping out it was amazing and it's like that was done presumably for the cost of hiring an experienced drone pilot not a helicopter that you wouldn't be able to do indoors anyway or like the um, a sky cam from Highlander that would have to be like a huge amount of rigging would have to be set up that would take a week to do have to be tested for safety all that kind of stuff I mean obviously this film as I said before refers to The Shining The Shining has that famous helicopter opening shot I mean, it would be interesting to see how that would look with a drone now. So, yeah, yeah, now you could just do that. I mean, there's probably somebody like on TikTok who's recreated that. Must be something like that. But again, it's like, well, The Evil Dead, it does have an edge. The effects, which were heavily cut, the exorcism where all the dead are beginning to bubble and boil and disintegrate, was heavily cut on video. It kind of played like a film that was all set up for a joke, but no punchline. You just kept seeing things. Oh, I know what would have happened there. Eyes would have been violated, but we can't see it. Oh, no, 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 no. Whereas this one is, like, obviously uncut, and, I mean, it's this is this has some horror in it. I say one thing I do miss from the original movies and from the TV series is I do miss a bit of the humour. Yeah. A bit of the leavening humour, because it was like, these films are gleefully nihilistic. <laughs> Because it's there's not like a it's not an exorcist film. It's this thing's not going to be overcome by prayer. This thing's not going to be. This thing is just malevolent, chaotic evil that's going to kill everyone you love and use their corpses to torment you. Whereas at least the films it did that. The original films were funny. <laughs> Whereas and this one it's like I enjoyed it, but equally if I'm not saying another ten years, I don't need to see another one of these for a few years because it's like there's some inventive gore. I like that they're doing stuff in universe. And I, there were some bits I really liked. There's a, there's a shot through the um, the kind of uh, fisheye peephole of the door, mm. and you're seeing events playing out in the corridor. And I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was quite good. Yeah, it's good. But it's like I wanted a bit more of that, a bit more of that imagination, because a lot of it. Otherwise, you just end up falling into oh, here's a creepy figure doing something creepy, yeah. and it can be effective. Yeah, like you know, and there's a reason that horror cinema falls back on that because it is something that is just fundamentally quite primarily shiver down the spine. But there were, especially with Ash vs. Evil Dead, series had such fun and inventiveness with what it was doing that this, I mean, it's, it's good. And, you know, as you say, the cast equipped themselves really well. It just felt a bit oddly safe or, like, oddly, like, figuring out early on where the final scene was going to take place. It's like, that's fine. It's not, you know, it's, you know, set up and pay off. I just wish it had been more interesting how it got there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I don't think it was safe. Because I think that there are certain things... We'll I guess it's actually safe is unfair because it's, an, it, it's, still, it's still an it's still evil dead film. One note is probably... Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I could do with some of the leavening humour, some of the splat stick. There's not much splat stick in this. There is splat stick in the remake. The remake is gleefully nihilistic. Well, actually, I don't, I don't think the remake is gleefully nihilistic because I think that it, it is basically an addict at war with themselves. It actually ends on quite a hopeful note. And of course, the very end of the remake, after all the credits, because there is a mid-credits scene, but after all the credits, is Bruce Campbell saying groovy, which everyone said, he's going to be in the next one. He's he's not in this one. And also there's no end credit or mid-credit scene. So you don't have to stick around if you don't want to. But if you do, you'll find out it was shot in New Zealand. And post-production was done in Ireland. It's like, wow, that was any of this film American? Because <laughs> it's all set in Chicago, isn't it? Is it Chicago? 
I didn't even clock what city it was meant to be. I think it, it is a city. I, I think it's, it, it spends so little time. Yeah, they don't really set up. And it doesn't really matter, but it, it is set in the States. Yeah, I could have done with a bit more humour. Because that's the thing. And that's also what made it feel like a bit more like a possession movie sometimes than an Evil Dead movie, which of course is a possession movie, but it, um, it felt like an exorcist movie. The fact that it was quite sombre. I am going to watch it again because the final act of this movie was a blast and I loved it. And I loved just how kind of wild it was getting. I think, well, I want to watch it again to see, is the opening, is that necessary for the final act to work as well as it did? Or was that just a case of, no, that could have been better? I think it's the latter. I think it could have been better. I think there could have been more humour in it. I think it would have worked a lot better with a more inventive colour scheme or just like a colour scheme that isn't just green and brown. This film has a prologue that you completely forget about and then it pays off right at the very end. And I'm like, I don't know if that's satisfying or not. Well, see, that's interesting because I never forgot about the prologue and it's going to get referred to because there's something in the film that makes it very, very clear in terms of timelines. Um, How are we going to get there? And I actually quite liked how we got there. But yes, we can get into that, into spoilers. But um, is there anything else to say before we get into spoilers? Other than the fact that I ultimately did really have a good time with the film because of that final act and I think some of the risks that it took in terms of certain character events. Yeah, I think I think I liked it, and again, performances are good. I like you know it's, it's part of the Evil Dead franchise, so I'm I mean, I'm inclined to like it, and I, I agree. I think I think the final act was pretty wild. I just wish more of the film had been like that. I just wish more of the yeah. Let's talk about it a little bit in spoilers. Okay, all right then. Well, let's get into spoilers now. If you haven't seen the film, then please don't listen until you have seen the film. But... We'll uh, include a snippet of the Book of the Dead to play backwards. <laughs> yes. So when you've heard that, you'll be in the spoiler section. So yes, if you need to go and watch the film, please do. And thanks for listening. And we're going to go into spoilers. Artu bala danikto. Well, now I've said the words. <laughs> what is this? So now commence reading aloud. The Book of the Dead. Cool, you are now in the spoiler zone. So what I thought was good about the film and was in keeping with the Evil Dead films is that there's no coming back from being possessed. No. And these films do properly... Yeah, the remake and this one, it's like, these are Evil Dead. They don't give a fuck about the vessel they're in. They just want to rip it apart and do things to it. So they will, for example... Eat, eat a glass. And then you'll see the throat when the glass has been swallowed and it has a shard that pokes yeah. out. And it's like, that's so horrible. So horrible. But again, like an amazing effect. And it's like, well, just to think back to that original Evil Dead with all the Wallace and Gromit effects, they can... I just would love for one of the examiners at the BBFC to see, look what's going to be coming. It has to be said, yes, in 40 years' time. But look at this. And also... When you watch those effects, even back in 82, it's like, well, I can tell that's not real. These are photorealistic effects, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah, lots of burning and cutting the fucking cheese grater. Oh, yes. It's like, a... <laughs> as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, no, no, don't. <laughs> I mean, I thought that could have been used more. I think they realised no one wants to see more of that, so we'll just use it on the so leg. So grim. <laughs> but it is grim. It's like, oh, I just, that would just hurt so much, that would. 
actually reminds me of something. There was a documentary on Channel 4, but I won't talk about it because it is very, very disgusting. And um, Does this, I don't know, does, I, I, I don't know what documentary you're talking about. Does the word, I don't know, degloved come up? The word degloved is such a... No, but it's very... Anyway, I won't. I won't. Uh, for our listeners, if you don't know what degloving is, don't look it up. Don't look it up. Please don't look it up. It's horrible. But yeah, but I like the fact that it kept the tradition of, if you get possessed, then, then that's game over for you. No matter who the character is, because of course, and it's it's revealed in the trailer anyway, but this is spoilers, but the mum gets possessed. Then two of the kids get possessed. And it's like, okay, well, there's no coming back for them then. So this isn't going to have a happy ending in terms of the family being reunited. One of the mainstays of horror, unless they completely betray what goes on in an oh, Evil Dead movie. They, they could have set they that, didn't. If they'd set up the idea of estrangement being the thematic arc of the film, then by having the abomination with the mum and the two kids being like come and join us in the set and then that rejection that would have been a thematic arc well they did try to do well but they, I mean, they, they didn't yeah they didn't. that's the thing but they but they weren't interested in that because you're right i mean when i read the plot synopsis estranged sisters it's like oh yeah yeah i suppose they were yeah yeah a bit i mean they're just not but close they're just not close it's because it's been like two months since they last talked it's like well to be honest i don't talk to my sister <laughs> I mean, there could be like a couple of months before we have like a meaningful conversation, but I wouldn't say we're estranged. You're right, that would have been a better payoff to have properly set them up as estranged. Because they seem to get on pretty well together. Yeah, they're just... And it's like, they just haven't really hung out. So, well, she's a touring guitar technician for a rock band. Anyway, I don't think the film was really interested in anything other than just providing a horror show, which it did. To the point where the family literally rips itself apart and puts itself together in a monstrous shape. And you can read stuff into that from a horror point of view of like, well, the family is a monstrous entity that looks normal. But yeah, this I wish you, I wish you, were, you, you were using that. I wish you were like, I wish that wasn't just like a random detail. I wish that was part of like a wider thematic commentary. In That's this. right. It's like, because it does fit in terms of the family finally reveals itself as the monstrous entity that it is. But then again, this family wasn't monstrous to start no, this with. Family... It's like, they were actually all, all got along together pretty well. And it has to be said, because I'm looking for a new flat right now, pretty spacious flat. I mean, I was thinking, there's a lot of floor space in that flat. That is a big kitchen. I think you took away the wrong things from this film. <laughs> I would love to live there. Why are you knocking it down? Look at all that like, prime, okay, you're like, prime square footage. Well, at least for a moment, it's vacant, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But you're right, it was just used to be the big bad at the end. And it was a memorable big bad. But there could have been much more done with it, you're right. Yeah, it was a little bit, um, made me think of like Colour Out of Space or something in terms of this kind of fleshy abomination that is the breakdown of the individual entity, of the individual like human identity. Yeah. And Absolutely. so, and again, it's like, okay, that's all stuff that we're reading into it. I, I liked how it used the cables instead of the vines in the lift, because obviously the, the original film has the vines from the tree and this one it kind of recreated that with like almost being like kind of crucified by the cables yeah actually the remake also has the vines from the tree and more of a narrative justification for the sexual assault that the woods does than in the original film which is the one bit of the film that seems very very juvenile and Sam Raimi said yeah it would have been slightly older we wouldn't have done that then again I think it's one of those the reason why the evil dead works is because it is a young man's film it's being made made. with with a young man's energy and also a young man's immaturity and that scene in particular is like this is a shock value scene but it is a horror film so we do trade in shock value sometimes I did like the scene of just the mother absolutely fucking up all the neighbours immediately. Like, yeah. they're, they're all dead. They're all That's fucked. Right. <laughs> that scene through the spy hole was good. Like, when was... she tears out that guy's eye and, like, throws it in the other guy's mouth. And I was like, 
impressed by the shot. I don't. I'm not sure I buy it, but you know, it's like you know what? I, you know, I think at the moment that, that I landed my mouth, I'd be horrified, obviously. But that part of me would be like, you know, got, got to respect game, got to respect like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you have to. Yeah, you went there, but of course, that is a reference to Evil Dead Two, where the exact same yeah, thing, thing happens, happens, where like a and I, I think it's one of the. It's when the bird-like creature thing is trying to get out of the cellar, and someone jumps on the and cellar it, door, and it pops out of it and goes into the woman's mouth. But again, that is treated in Evil Dead Two as outrageous comedy here it's pretty much just horror because you I, laugh because you remember it in evil dead 2 not because it's funny in and of itself in the film and i love how you know you can kind of chart because sam raimi it was you know the original evil dead was film was really influential like you can kind of chart that in terms of like peter jackson mm-hmm. uh, also um sorry a lot of japanese cinema and a lot of hong kong action cinema there's a great film called a chinese ghost story made in 87 i think and the director, was it directed by Choi Harker, was he the producer? He was a very, very hands-on producer. Anyway, Choi Harker, who was, who was involved with that film, said The Evil Dead influenced the look of this movie. It's not a gory film, but the camera work is very, very Sam Raimi. So yeah, you're right, it was a really, really influential film, particularly in Asia. Which is nice. It's nice, yeah. It's nice that we're inspiring Asian cinema for once. Yeah. Instead of being like, going to lift that, going to take that. Yeah, go- yeah, calling you out, Quentin. Calling you out. I, I, uh, I did like Chekhov's wood chipper. Yes, Chekhov's scissors as yeah. well. And, um... Like it's like when you see the wood chipper in the in the underground parking garage. It's like, yep, that's the abominations getting fed through that at the end. I did think though, is that a reference to Fargo because of the Cohen connection? No, it's um, be a... But I, I mean, yeah, it's there if you want it. If you don't, it doesn't matter. I'm guessing Sam Raimi's car was probably somewhere in that garage. And she is driving a Buick Oldsmobile. Isn't yes. She? She's... She's driving um, an estate, so unless they redid his car to make it an estate, which I don't think they did, but there is a Buick in there. So that was probably... I mean, it would feel, feel weird if it wasn't in there, because it's in yeah. all of the... It's in Evil Dead 2013. It is, that's right, yeah. It's even in The Quick and the, the Dead. Dead. It's made to look like a wagon. Yeah, indeed. So that's like a Western. You just use the chassis from it. And I like that they ended up making, I think, multiple versions of the car, because they just need it for different things, but also largely to like stop Bruce Campbell fucking with it, <laughs> because he he talks about it in his autobiography, I think, um, If Chins Could Kill, where, like, yeah, trying to find Sam Raimi's car, basically just to fuck with it on set. Uh-huh. And it's like, they've got like five versions of it, and it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one thing there, uh, another Sam Raimi touch is, I think that the remake does it as well, when the title appears, although it's the end in this film when it just cuts on to the screen really, really abruptly with Screaming Banshees, is Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. And that's a great film. And the title That kind of got completely dismissed at the time. Completely dismissed. It's such a good movie. Such a great horror film. And it's a PG-13 in the States, which is great. That actually reminds me of the thing I was going to say. This is an 18. I think that's right. But... Kids who are into horror are going to love this movie. And me as a 13-year-old... Because the kids get killed. (laughs) Well, yeah, because the kids get killed, but also it's just wild. And it's also one of those films where it's like, it is scary. Sometimes Evil Dead films are not known for being particularly scary. This one, though, with the mum at the door and just the look on her face and the makeup and the sense of doom about this film. I thought, well, actually, this is... I think the first time that an Evil Dead film, probably since the first movie, has been properly scary and suspenseful. Ash vs. Evil Dead actually is scary. It has some good suspense moments in it. But I thought, a kid watching this who hasn't seen The Shining, hasn't seen The Entity, hasn't seen any of the films that are being referenced, this will be the first time they've experienced these sort of things. I think is going to love it if they're into horror. Because this does a lot of the horror tropes very, very well. There was also the um, Nightmare on Elm Street moment involving the bath which is really quick 
but it's almost like an inverted yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah, which yeah. I was kind of, I kind of hope they were going to do more of because they're talking about things being in the tub and it's like, oh, there's nothing in the tub, don't worry about it. It's like, they never actually paid that off. No, that's the thing is that there were some things that were set up to be set pieces and it's like, well, that could have been a bigger set piece. And the things that you did have, like the eating glass, it seemed as if it was like a budgetary thing. And it is quite good when she flies up to the ceiling. That's in the trailer as well, in the tub. But yeah, I thought there would be something around the well, The only reason she flies up to the ceiling is so that you can call it Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, indeed. Although I like the title yeah. rises at the beginning, behind the tree line. Um, it's like, Evil Dead Word. We need a word. What word? <laughs> dawn. Evil Dead Dawn. Dawn uh, of the Evil Dead. No, you fool. <laughs> dawn of the Evil Dead. Actually, that would be, quite, that, that would be ballsy. Um... <laughs> And of course, Dead by Dawn was the subtitle for Evil Dead 2. Yeah. There's lots of nice things in there for the fans. We need, we need, the, a, we need a noun that hasn't been used in another franchise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and of course, no, if that, that's, why they couldn't, that's why they couldn't say Rises, because it's like, Evil Dead Rises. Ah! <laughs> the fire rises! <laughs> There's um, the Freddy thing, because of course, Freddy also gets name-checked in this when the young lad next door is a bit kind of sweet on the older daughter and his younger brother says yeah we're going to watch all the Freddy films yeah even the shit ones there are no shit ones no your younger brother's right that I think is a deep cut reference to the fact that in Evil Dead in the basement there is a ripped Hills Have Eyes poster and then I think there's a ripped Evil Dead poster poster in in a Wes Craven film I'm trying which one is it it's not Deadly Blessing is it it's not something but then in A Nightmare on Elm Street there is a clip of Evil Dead. It's on the TV um, and Nancy turns it off. So it's like, that's not a coincidence. You had to get permission You had to get, you had to get permission for that, yeah. Well, I think I'd have to get permission because they're just saying it. They're not yeah, actually showing uh, yeah. anything. But I think that it's not a coincidence that you have remarked upon Freddy Krueger in this because there is a Wes Craven tradition between the two filmmakers. One of the things I do love is yeah, when in, in, in a horror film, when something's playing on the TV and it has to be a horror film playing on the TV, it's almost always Night of the Living Dead. And we know why that is. Because <laughs> there's no copyright. I have the worst fucking lawyers. <laughs> Public domain. Anyone who wants to hear more about that can go back and listen to our Night of the Living Dead episode, which is something like episode 68, something like the that. The hilarious story of why zombies got to be a thing. Yeah, it really is. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I'm trying to think, was there anything else in terms of spoilers? I mean, the whole thing about Beth being pregnant... They didn't do anything with it, which no, on one hand, I'm probably quite glad they didn't. Like, that would have been fucking controversial. But it would have been. But there was the implication that she wanted to get an abortion. But they never actually said that, which you could argue, actually, is, is the film playing it safe. Particularly in, uh, in the US, States right yeah. now, which is so completely divisive and just a bit mad. So the film becomes almost like an aliens thing of... Uh, yeah, there's, well, there's definitely her in the garage there with um, the little girl. It's like, oh, this is quite Ripley. And, then, and, you've, Ripley, got, and yeah. you've got like a, an alien creature. Uh, which they did, I didn't... There were a couple of moments with the thing the, with the abomination in the garage. I was like, I kind of want you to be doing more than just moving back and forth around the car. Because cars have an under and an over. Yeah. Probably be using those dimensions as well. Yeah, or you should be like maybe scurrying up things and things like that. There was some good scurrying in this film, but I think again, I think that might have been a budgetary consideration or something because it was quite an impressive thing that was created. But it's like how easy is that to? How mobile is it? Yeah, yeah. How shit would it look if you tried to move it off the ground? Because it seems to be pretty practical. It's like there wasn't seems to be a lot of CGI in the film in terms of that particular thing. Although I could be wrong. So it becomes that this woman has to learn how to be a mum and to be protective. It's like, well, she was protective anyway. She never tried to run off and leave them. So there's no arc there. And also, like, like, on one hand, yeah, again, learning to to be a mum, you know, learning to have that maternal instinct. It's like, 
this isn't a life skill that you're learning. You're literally battling off the like a fucking possessed creature. On one hand, it's like, and through that, she learned how to be a mum. It's like, no, you probably can still need to learn how to do nappies. And also, you're going to have to learn how to be a mum to a traumatised child because that child has just seen her mum and her brother and her, her whole sister immediate family get ripped apart by demons and then put together again to come and get her. Do you know what? I want them to leave it ten years till the next one because I want her to be a teenager and I want her to be like dealing with that shit. Absolutely. Um, and then you bring and you bring then you bring back uh, women from the original film and then you team them up against the. It's Evil Dead. Evil Dead dies, so they're now in Halloween territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Halloween, <laughs> Halloween do that. noun. <laughs> Halloween, just Halloween stop. <laughs> Halloween kills the franchise. Absolutely. So getting on to the big shining reference, which I thought was. Very well done indeed, when... The blood comes pouring out the lift. Or fills the lift up. Yeah. I like that there was like a narrative justification for why a lift would be filled with blood. It was like, well, it's a possessed building and it's just filling up with blood, which we've seen in other Evil Dead films, but never quite as spectacular as this. And the fact that you have this little girl in that scene, in the flooded set, filling with blood. I mean, it's like, that's what I liked about it, thinking it, it would have been easier to make her a bit older, but she's clearly 12 tops. And with kids in horror films, I always look to see... Like, how are they doing this? How are they... To, to what degree is the kid being... Put into the same yeah. shot as something horrible? Because you always think, like, yeah, is that kid just alone and they are reacting to something that you cut to? Or is it in the same shot? This one was like... I looked and there was a scene with the sister. That's right, when she puts Starfony through her sister's yeah. mouth and it comes out the back. And I thought, okay, so that's off screen. Oh, no, no. Now it's on screen. <laughs> She's Maybe looking at they, it and like, blood is dripping on her. Okay, this is quite I, cool in terms I, of... I, yeah, exactly. Like, Or I wonder if they've managed to composite this somehow. I wonder if there's something going on here that I'm not seeing. I, I got the impression that it wasn't just because of what came later. The, but of course, the parents are going to be on just out of shot and stuff like that. I mean, these things are made responsibly. So yeah. The blood coming out of the lift does always just make me think of the Simpsons joke. Hmm, usually the blood gets off on the second floor. <laughs> Yeah, which is great. It was one of my favourite Simpsons jokes. But that little girl at the end, when she was having to really get her hands dirty with all of the horror and all of the splatter, I was like, thought, and then it just made me laugh when I saw this was her first film. It was like, you'll do anything to be in a film. Right, well, we're going to test that because we're going to put you in a lift that fills up with blood. And it's clearly real fake blood, just not CGI. Uh, I, I'm now imagining her just like, you know, they, they call cut and she's literally like, you know, off smoke. And like, Shirley Temple never had to deal with this shit. That's right. <laughs> I do want to see the behind the scenes of that because it's like, is it that the kid was just thinking this is all just silly play? Because of course, when you're making a film, it never looks as horrifying as it actually is in the film and all that kind of stuff. And there would be people there to make sure everything was being done properly, not least the parents. But it, I did think... This kid is getting really stuck into the horror in this film. But yeah, when that lift was filling up with blood, it's like, well, then you have to open the doors and blood has to come out in a shining reference. And it did. And it was like, actually, that was good. I did enjoy that. I also like that. went ding. <laughs> and the doors opened. <laughs> Although now I now I wish that for some reason they'd found a way for this to just be a random person at the bottom waiting for the lift when the doors open. Just because yes. Well, that's the thing. That's the, that's the funny thing at the end that, the girl that we see at the beginning who is possessed was in the building the whole yeah. time on the fifth floor just didn't hear anything up and it's like well yeah if, if it was seven floors above maybe you would just think it's thunder because says oh yeah yeah the thunder really really kept me up and it's like that's great that you are and it kind of suggests that she's a bit of a self-absorbed yeah what would be called a valley girl if they were in the valley so she's yeah self-absorbed and just not really paying attention to the fact that there was a cosmic fight between good and evil happening seven floors above her 
and then just notices all the carnage around her after she's got off the phone, I thought was... But she'd, she'd already got into the car funny. by that point. And that, again, sends off my, like, no, don't get out of the fucking car. I see what looks to be a fucking crime scene over there full of, like, no, I'm leaving the fucking parking garage. Like, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to call the police. I ain't investigating shit. <laughs> thing I thought, yeah, because I thought, is it one of those things where we're supposed to think, oh, she was so close to getting out, but then she just had to have a look. And it's like, well, that didn't work because we don't really know her. Do you know and what? we also know that she's going to get possessed. So The Evil Dead franchise warns specifically against two things. Curiosity and camping. Yeah, indeed. These are the two demons you must slay. If These are the two C words that you should <laughs> never, never make part of your life. <laughs> the two demons you must slay are camping and curiosity. <laughs> so that's, in all that's another Simpsons reference. Okay. I, I, sorry, I'm going to quickly look up the... Uh... Yes, it's like... Family, religion, friendship. These are the three demons you must slay if you wish to see them business. That's a, yeah. it's a Mr. Burns quote. Brilliant. So, as always, everything goes back to The Simpsons. Always. So yeah, so I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Just looking through my notes. God, my writing is terrible when I'm writing in the dark. Mine what? is it's actually surprisingly alright. Mine's actually mostly semi-legible. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't... I've always been fascinated by the fact that you just write randomly across the entire page at like different points. Whereas, you know, I try to write lines so I can at least follow it. Like, you know, so I've got some idea of where I am in the film. I just tried to write buzzwords that will, um, demons too. That was it. Sorry. That's one. Synergy. (laughs) I've written swallowing glass. It looks like I've written fucking glass because I was writing in the dark and not really looking. Yeah, Demons 2. This also goes back to Demons 2. So Demons 2 is a Lamberto Barber film from the mid-80s, um, a sequel to Demons. So Demons... <laughs> My God, Holmes, how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> so Demons was set in a cinema and they watch a film that's a possessed film and they all turn into demons. And it was kind of like a commentary on horror films make people monsters. Demons 2 was made a couple of years later and is about demons running amok in a building. And it's actually the whole building, I think. It's on a slightly bigger scale to this. This has a Demons 2 vibe to it as well. Yeah, demons but... and Demons 2 are not the best. They were great films in the 80s, but they haven't aged particularly well. Though to steal somebody else's joke, yeah, this isn't so much running amok as it is walking amok. It is walking amok, yeah. Um, and was another point? Society, actually, yeah. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. They, they, they did a screening of that PCC a couple of years ago, didn't oh, did they? they? I think so, yeah. Okay, right. Did you see that one? No, I, 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 I have. I don't know why I brought up the PCC screen. Okay. It just a thing flashed into my head and I was like... <laughs> so society, the end of the film when the thing is putting itself together and yeah, putting its hands everywhere and into people was like, okay, is this a reference to society? Because that's a very, very memorable film that has this in it as well. Or am I just spotting every single horror film ever made in this film? That said, it is well shot. It is one of the... I love the shallow focus stuff in there. Body horror by from a, from a man whose surname begins Cronin. I can't imagine it. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so it is directed by Lee Cronin, who did Hole in the Ground, which I haven't seen, but apparently it's pretty good. Oh, is that the one, the Michael C. Hall? Oh no, no, is that that? No, that's the um, John no. in the Hole, or that's the one that's like. Okay, sorry, no. I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking of the weird family satire one where a kid puts his family in the hole. The Hole in the Ground is that the one where the kid goes into the hole in the ground? They bring the kid out of the hole in the ground. The kid's different. Yes, that's the one. Um, apparently, it's good. I have not seen it. But yeah, and again, curiosity. Leave the kid in the hole. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. If the film, if the kid seems a bit different, you put him back in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't because that, that's not, that's not your kid anymore. You just put him back in the hole. You just make it a rod for your own back. 
Um, he also wrote the film as well, so... I like... Because yeah. all those changeling narratives, and, you know, I think in, in tradition is like, all the changeling stories is like, basically just yell at the kid. If you think the kid's a changeling, basically just... Or like, you know, like, I don't know, it's, it's something really random. Like, I don't know, throw blueberries at it, and it'll turn... And it'll suddenly speak in a deep adult male voice and be like, don't do that. <laughs> it's really fucking annoying. Yes. Um... Traditional changeling narratives are wild. <laughs> Brilliant. And there is, of course, a film called The Changeling, which is one of Martin Scorsese's favourite horror films, although it's, it's good. It's not great. That's Jossie Scott. It is. And As then a... there's Changeling, starring Angelina Jolie. Yes, which actually I did like, which is which has nothing to do with those, but is good. <laughs> Again, I think we're kind of reaching the end of the road on this, aren't we? So anything no, I, else I think say? there's one more. There's got to be one more. <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms of horror films, I'm trying to think it's really... It is a compendium, like a lot of films are. But I've kind of got to the point now where it's like, I don't mind if you're doing this, because if I was a horror fan and I watched this... I would say, okay, that was great. What are the other films that do that sort of stuff? And it would take you back to some classic horror films. So I'm just quickly looking this up to make sure. I'm... Oh, actually, um, there's an interesting. Apparently, um, they are. Some people think that kids were they were that were believed to be changelings may have actually just sort of had undiagnosed neurological. So like, there's a, I've just randomly come across an article about um, autism and, and in folklore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of things that were to do with um, people being possessed, it now turns out is mental illness or neurodivergency, and just shows that we have evolved. We have evolved in terms of how we treat oh, yes. these things. Uh, in Germany, if, uh, one of several identifies, uh, ways to identify a changeling and to return the replaced real child, confuse the changeling by cooking or brewing eggshells. This will force the changeling to speak, claiming its real age, revealing its position beyond synchronicity. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Attempting to heat the changeling in the oven. Hitting or whipping the changeling. I think this is all... This is fucking child abuse. <laughs> this is retroactive stuff. I was doing that because I don't think my kid's my kid. So I'm not a terrible parent. And they weren't just getting on my nerves, so I leathered them. It's, but I uh... love the cooking or brewing eggshells one, because it's like... <laughs> like, it, it, it's, what's the name of the baby from um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, I know. Yeah, I kind of think, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the cigar. It's like, Frank or something. It's like Herman or Herman, yeah, Herman. could be it. Yeah, like the fact that, you know, you accidentally get, like, you're making you're making your eggs and you get a bit of eggshell in there, you don't realise, you know, the baby suddenly goes, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fucking choking hands are over here? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we've, okay, we've ended up somewhere else. We have. Okay, one more. <laughs> one more horror film reference. And this probably is me reading too much into it. Because The Cabin in the Woods, you have a image of that immediately. Like a bit run down, a bit ramshackle, single floor. This one looked much more like a midsummer mm. triangle structure. That just reminds me of something from Midsummer. And it's closer to the lake, so it's clearly more of a holiday destination. It's Which you could also say ties into Friday the 13th and those sort of films, which were also huge at the time when The Evil Dead was first released. Um, and there's a thing of the demon comes out of the water and it's like, okay, so is, is this a Friday the 13th reference? The I did like the scalping. I thought the scalping was good. That was surprising. I think Rob's fridge is whirring, if you can hear a whirring. It's not just the uh, the low moan of the unknown. And again, I'm not going to investigate, because that is no. the thing. Although, you know, you open it and, um, yeah, see the, see the pyramid of light and the... <laughs> On that midsummer note um, and stuff, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Um, thank you, Rob, for, uh, for joining on the pod. If the listener is looking to find you online, where can they do so? Well, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Rob underscore A underscore Daniel. Haven't got a blue tick, because no one has a blue tick anymore, do they? Apart from Stephen King, apparently Elon Musk paid for his. It's like Stephen Colbert said, wow, what an amazing business model. You pay for something 
that you yourself that the other person doesn't want. Can't see how that's not going to make you another billion. You can find my writing at electric-shadows.com. Find me on Instagram at robdan75. You can find me on Letterboxd to see what I've been watching at letterboxd.com slash robdan. And if you've liked this, deep dive into a single film that has brought in wider discussions of many, many things, and you also love that film Highlander, let's face it, how can you not love the film Highlander? Then we strongly recommend that you listen to another podcast that we do called Another Time McLeod, which is all about that film Highlander. And we've actually been through the entire film, scene by glorious scene, with some amazing guests, and we talk about Highlander. So that is available to listen to wherever you're listening to this. And that, again, is called Another Time McLeod. It's on Twitter at McLeod Time. And you can drop us a Highlander-themed email at whowantstopodforever at gmail.com. Great. And yeah, if you're looking for me online, you can find me on Twitter and Rob Lynn Wallace. You can also find my writing, such as it is, at all the film sites, www.ofallthefilmsites.com. I think I've got an Instagram account. I never use it. If you've enjoyed this podcast... And if, you're, and if you've got to this point, I sincerely hope you have. Mm-hmm. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at MovieRobCast. You can drop us a an email yeah, at MovieRobCast at gmail.com. We are also, we are on Instagram at TheMovieRobCast. Boom. And if you have enjoyed it or have any feedback, and at this like you know, you may have feedback. Um, <laughs> so please, much feedback. Please, please do rate and review. It, it's really, it's always great to hear from people and it does help us with the algorithm. Yeah, indeed. And it doesn't take a second to leave a star rating, and people love leaving star ratings. So, um, yeah. And as Rob said, always appreciated. It's like, yeah, they had me right up to where they brought up the baby from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I was yeah, like, indeed. I'm so, so close to the end. So, you just freaking any fucking film now. There are some really wonderful noises coming from Rob's kitchen. There's the eggs popping and beginning to cook it themselves. That's right. Well, ah, well, actually, because you were talking about the changeling and the eggs and stuff. And, of course, she does make... She oh, my does God! make cooked eggs in this, doesn't she? Um, eggshells. She just cracks and cooks the eggshells along with the eggs. See? My God. Cinema. Cinema. Podcasting. Synergy. Bye! <laughs> Thank you for listening. If I die... Just pray that I die bravely. You'll not die. You'll not have to fight him. Griswold dies as he drinks the toast. What? Listen, I have put a pellet of poison in one of the vessels. Which one? The one with the figure of a pestle. The vessel with the pestle? Yes, but you don't want the vessel with the pestle. You want the chalice from the palace. Uh, I don't want the vessel with the pestle. I want the chalice from the what? The chalice from the palace. Hmm? It's a little crystal chalice with the figure of a palace. Does the chalice from the palace have the pellet with the poison? No, the pellet with the poison's in the vessel with the pestle. Oh, the pestle with the vessel. The vessel with the pestle. What about the palace from the chalice? Not the palace from the chalice. The chalice from the palace. Where's the pellet with the poison? In the vessel with the pestle. Don't you see? The pellet with the poison's in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the with it is true. It's so easy, I can say it. Well, then you fight him. Why have you disturbed our sleep? Awakened us from our ancient slumber. You will die!